You're listening to Maybe You're Like Me, the transparent musings of a God girl chasing after her purpose. Maybe You're Like Me is a podcast for dreamers and doers who take life's lessons and level up to look more like Christ. We'll connect through super relatable stories, growing pains, and aha moments that most of us share, just not always out loud. I'm your host, Alicia Watson, creative entrepreneur, playwright, author, wife, mother, daughter of the king, and so much more. And I can't help but to think that maybe you're like me. Hey, hey, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Maybe You're Like Me. How you all doing? Me? I'm much better. I'm much better. I'm really glad to be back behind the mic. I held back my episodes for the last two weeks to give space to all that was and quite frankly is still going on in our world and um, I didn't feel led to add anything to the conversation uh, so I didn't create a special episode with my thoughts or anything like that. Honestly I felt there were already some amazing passionate people sharing resources and opinions and offering perspective and so I just took a step back to let that and them be the focus. Make no mistakes, though. It's still in focus. Black lives matter, have always mattered, always will matter. And I will always believe that. Being a black woman with a black husband and black children, a black mother and black father and other black family and friends, I would be silly not to believe that. But I know that that's not my burden, nor is it my purpose to speak on it or to be a key agent in bringing about change. I've learned to be more than happy to stay in my lane and to let the people that God assigned that task to handle it. And at the moment, I feel peaceful enough now to chat about unrelated things. Whew, 2020. 2020 is a year for the books, right? And it's only halfway over. Can you believe that? I'm a daddy's girl and I love college football. Those are two of the main reasons I went to the University of Michigan. And being a fan, I've seen enough second half comebacks to know better than to count the team out at halftime. Y'all, it's halftime for us. And I feel like we're in the locker room getting a motivating speech from the coach to go back out there and do what we've been training to do, to play the game we know how to play because we're down, but we are not out. We just have to dig deep and fight for the win. So maybe you're like me and you haven't given up on 2020. So how will we turn this game around? If you don't mind, I'm going to continue on with the football analogy. And it's probably not going to make any sense because although I could kick a football pretty high in high school, my dad wouldn't let me join the team. So I don't know anything from experience. No locker room chats, no reviewing of tape, no playing time, none of that. But I know some basics. So follow me because I'm in too deep now. (laughs) So here are my musings on what we can do to win this game in the second half. First of all, we have to review the playbook. And when I say playbook, I mean the Bible. For us believers, the Bible is a guide on what to do and say next. It tells us what to do when we're on the offense, when we're pressing forward for progress. It tells us how to defend when we don't want to lose what we've gained. It's a unifying document that gets the whole team on the same page. And it's how our coach, God, shares with us his plan and intentions for how his team should play. He's given you a position. He's given me a position. And the playbook tells us where we need to be and what we need to be doing. In all of this, there have been times that I felt like I should be doing and saying more. But I know that that was the enemy trying to distract me by getting me out of position. 
There is so much work to be done, good work. And I might be able to do it. I might have the skills, the insight, connection, whatever, but I know that I am not always the right person for the job. There are certain things that God has given me a burden for, things that I am passionate about, that drive me, that shake me, that rile me up emotionally. And I can almost physically feel when I have the grace of God on me to address those things and to take action on them. And though I've been affected by the pandemic recently and have felt the impact of racial injustices for decades, I've got to admit that these issues are not my lane. Feeling guilted or shamed into giving a statement or taking actions for the sake of others' approval is a distraction for me. It's not a good use of the time and energy that God has given to me to do things that are a part of my assignment. And it takes the attention away from people that God placed in position to have a voice and from those he gave grace to do things that make a difference for these particular causes and circumstances. These are people that have been doing the work, that have the experience, and this is their time to have their voices be elevated. And I got to admit, that was hard for me to swallow because it feels like we all have a role to play. And indeed we do, but not at the same levels. Winning is a team effort. I have learned to support while playing my position, but only because of scriptures that tell me that we are all a part of the body and that no one part is more important than the other. Or scriptures that remind me that God has given us different gifts or verses that remind me that God uses different vessels as he pleases. And with that knowledge, I can be content with falling into my position, playing it even when I'm not the one with the ball in my hands. I can be content with creating a hole and getting out of the way so that the one with the ball can run straight through and more easily gain some yards or even score for the team. Here's an unpopular opinion. I think there are people with great visibility and great platforms who say things because they feel they need to, but the things they say may not be the things that they have been led to say. They may not be things that need to be said that are fruitful or that bring about any solutions. They may only be things that itching ears want to hear. Things that help these people personally maintain positions of power and prominence while they block up space and time for people that can actually help or change things for others. I appreciate all of the spaces where people stepped aside and allowed others to speak and educate and be visible. I mean, I feel like that took so much humility and self-awareness and I loved that. But one thing that bothered me in all of this was seemingly forcing people who didn't have anything to say to say something. I myself, I value authenticity, sincerity, and integrity. And I'm gonna be honest, my side eye has been strong lately. I feel like some people just hopped on. They hopped on just to not be left behind. And for me, that really doesn't do much towards solving anything. Um, like many other people, I watched that Dave Chappelle special and he said something very important along the lines of um, silence doesn't mean you are complicit. And I agree with that. Sometimes silence is a gift to others so that the voices that need to be heard can be heard so that the people can be seen by the eyes that need to be on those people. It's not about any one of us. It's about the team as a whole. Do you know your position? What is it that God has told you to do? If you're wondering if it's still the right time to do those things, it's still the right time to do those things. <laughs> there is no perfect time. And just because other things are happening, it does not mean that you should take your foot off the gas. 
who's to say that what God told you to do, that this position that God has placed you in, these skills that God has given you, weren't especially given to you, told to you. You weren't especially placed for a time like this. Don't set that thing down to pick up something else because it seems more important when that's not your position. You got to know and remember that he works all things together for our good. You have to trust that. I understand emotions are running high, right? And you might not be able to envision the future. All of your plans and hopes and goals have been tossed out the window. You want to throw the whole 2020 away. I get it, but don't do it. Because things might seem uncertain, but as I said in another episode, God is certain. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's going to happen and what he needs you to do. In the next six months, work on filling your mind with the word first. Before you open social media, before you check your emails, before you watch the news, open the Bible. Get a devotional book to use as a guide or to keep you consistent. I personally, I love Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson or Big Idea Food by Marlena Banks. Those are my favorites right now. But you can use an app like YouVersion on your phone for devotional plans. There's so many. It's like thousands on there and they're really good. Um, And if you have a short attention span like me, they're like three days, seven days, 10 days, 40 days. Like it's all different types of time variations and for all different types of topics, wherever God is leading you. Those are resources available to you. YouVersion also has many different translations of the Bible, and that will make it easier for you to understand. You can even invite people to do plans with you um, so that you can have accountability and community. What I know is that you have to get the word in your heart so that it flows out first, especially in the next six months. I don't feel like we're out of the woods yet. I don't feel like everything is going to go back to normal. There is no normal. There was no normal. We were just under the impression that we could steer our futures in any way, but our futures have always been uncertain. One thing that is certain is God. He can see the future. He's in the future. Even right now, as we're standing here, he's in the future and he's orchestrating things to work out for our good and for his glory. And if you have that word in your heart, and if you have that understanding in your mind and you trust that within your spirit, then it will be easier for you to turn 2020 into a winning game. In the next six months, read your Bible. It can give you peace, comfort, understanding, guidance, hope, and so much more. Read and study your playbook. Secondly, you have to follow your leader. If you listen to the intro, you know that this is a podcast for dreamers and doers who take life's lessons and level up to look more like Christ. We've had so, 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 so many lessons this year. But I haven't seen as many people leveling up and looking like Christ. I've seen people using the events of the times as an opportunity to look anything but like Christ. Sadly, some don't even realize it. They do what they think Jesus would do and they say what they think Jesus would say. They go by what they think is right. But in doing so, they go in a direction Jesus wasn't going at all and they lead others astray. You can see Christians in comment sections at each other's necks, arguing and fussing and fighting, and none of it is really a good look for the team. 
Attitude reflects leadership, but some of us aren't really being led by Christ. We aren't following our leader, and so our attitudes are not a reflection of him. In the football analogy, Christ is our star player. He's our captain. He's our leader. He's our quarterback. And in football, there are two penalty calls, one for defense and one for offense, and they both grind my gears. It's offsides and false start. These are called when a player starts moving before the ball is snapped. Could it be that there are people who are in position, but they are moving in haste ahead of the quarterback and causing confusion? They're too anxious. The word says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We see something wrong and we have the urge to get out there and do something about it. Do what we feel will work what we have seen done before. We don't wait on the Lord. We don't pause and pray with focus and anticipation. Our emotions are high, so we jump ahead of our leader trying to get things done. We put our trust in our own abilities to make things happen and to make the next big play. We don't follow Christ. We're not waiting on him. We are leading ourselves. We set our own moral standards. We look down on our teammates and our opponents alike. We stop huddling up. We stop playing for the team. We stop playing for the win. We start playing for ourselves. We think about our friends and our family in the stands and at home watching. We think about a highlight reel on ESPN the next day. We jump out there and we draw the penalty and it sets everybody back. Christ might not call the play you want him to. What he wants might not seem right to you. It might seem unfair. It might seem like it takes something away from you and it gives it to others. But listen, God loves and cares for us all. The same justice and equality and grace and mercy you believe you are entitled to, he feels the same way about others, particularly black lives, regardless of if you feel they deserve them or not. Christ is our leader because he put the team first, whether we deserved him or not. He showed us how to love and to treat one another. And if we are going to turn 2020 around, we have to follow his lead and be more loving and caring and compassionate toward each other, but also follow his lead in completing the missions that we have been placed here, living out the purpose that we have been given to live out in this world. That requires a level of focus. That requires a level of timing, not your timing, but God's timing. When they were trying to push Jesus off the cliff, he walked straight through the crowd and said, it wasn't my time yet. God will make space for you like that, but you need to be in position. We cannot be loving, caring, and compassionate toward each other superficially. There has to be a real heart change, not conforming to the world but being transformed by our playbook, by the word of God. What does love look like? Laying down your life, your comfort, your privilege, whether that's white privilege, health privilege, financial privilege of abundance, laying those things down so that others can stop suffering. It is to place God on his throne in each of our lives, to serve him, not power, Not fame, not influence, not respect, not money, or whatever else you believe will make your life perfect if you could attain it. There is only one trophy worthy of our devotion as believers. We place our hope, faith, and trust in God. 
and we must fight to do it daily. And every time something else rises up, that seems to be the cause and the cure. My personal platform is getting over it, whatever it may be, aligned with God and into his purposes. Ultimately, everything we are doing is for his glory because this world is passing away, whether we like it or not. But we believe that a better world is coming. That's what we set our eyes upon, which leads me to my last point. We have to think about the overall record. We want to win this game, yes, but only because it gets us closer to a ring and to that trophy. Actually, a crown, but hey, I'm going to go all the way with this football analogy. The game we're playing is a part of the goal, but it isn't the goal in and of itself. I keep coming back to big picture living. We have to zoom out and see the big picture. If we look at the trauma of the pandemic or the frustrations of the movement or of all the other things that have happened in the first half of this year, if we look at them apart from the big picture, we are going to lose it all. I believe the things that are happening now are evidence of how far we are from God. He is showing us our hearts, the hearts of our leaders inside and outside of the church. He's showing us how selfish we are. He's showing us how evil we've so blatantly become and how we embrace it. He's alerting us to where our devotion lies. And he's showing us how our sin and pride is bringing about our own downfall and destruction. It's a resounding alarm, but also also a hopeful invitation he's extending for us to partner with him to draw us back. Awareness is a prayer of the righteous, right? God has searched the heart of our nation and of our culture and is showing us where we are falling short. He's showing us our weak sides. He's showing us our vulnerabilities. He's showing us where we're going to lose. The second half of 2020 can be won with a mindset shift to not let all of this be in vain or fall on deaf ears. We cannot keep going in the same direction. We can't be afraid of the discomfort that comes with change. We can't pretend that time won't run out either. <laughs> the time is running out. This game is going to end. The time is now. Winning the second half requires a new commitment to following his playbook, submitting to his leadership, and setting your eyes on the big picture. It requires us to sacrifice for the team and to take responsibility for each and every one of ourselves to stay in shape, to carry our own weight, to play our positions, and to make room for others to play theirs. Without bitterness, jealousy, resentment, selfishness, or sabotage. It will take us understanding that this is a team effort, and being a part of this team is an honor and a privilege. 2020 is not over, fam. It might just be the start of a new season. So let's start this season with the comeback that no one saw coming. So that's it. That's all I have for you today. Um, it's a short one, but um, I feel like I needed to get that out. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. If you're like me, I love to hear about it. Tell me some of your experiences because I know I'm not the only one who's dealt with this. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Alicia Watson. You can send me a message there and I will reply to you. If you haven't already, do me a favor and subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening. And if you know others who are like us, please share this episode with them. Thank you to everyone who made room for me on their platform, who shared my voice, who shared my stories, um, who shared what I had to say. I don't take it for granted. Um, I'm thankful for it. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a blessed week, fam. Okay.
Bye.